Hey, I'm Drew, and this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 4, Episode 15, we conclude our conversation with Dustin Yankee about constructing puppets. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg. I am not joined this week by my co-host, Tim Babbler, as he is away at Camp South this week, helping out with leading there and doing the music and everything. But we are excited for you to hear the conclusion of our conversation with Dustin Yankee about puppetry and about building puppets. Uh, He had a lot of great thoughts to share with us, so we're excited for you to hear the rest of them. Here we go. And again, you've touched on aspects of this, but what what does the process of... uh, building a puppet look like now you you mentioned your, some of your first ones were kind of rudimentary but now yeah. that you've been spending a lot of time in the last five or six years here you do you do you start with sketching do you start with just like getting in there and trying stuff and seeing what works is there lots of trial and error or do you have a pretty clear vision from the beginning yeah if i can if maybe i can distinguish between my early builds and most recently you can kind of sure. see the difference. So I think everybody's got to start somewhere, right? So mm-hmm. I started by buying a pattern and trying to follow that to the best of my abilities. And I guess maybe just to do a sidestep from that answer, I think that's you guys would re- realize this from talking with just creative people. I think there is a misconception about artists in, in general in America in this sense that we think that artists have this somehow innate gift that no one else has, like somehow they're born special that they can do art. Right. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily follow that same belief. There's a lot of hard work that goes into honing skill and it's not like you just pick up a paintbrush and boom, there's a masterpiece because somehow you are endowed with the gift. Right. There may be a few like that, but you know, I don't, we don't do that to basketball players. When you see a professional basketball player and they are swishing three after three, no one goes, boy, they just, they have this amazing gift where they picked up a ball and it just went through the hoop every time. And yet somehow when people look at artists, they say, well, they just have this gift and I can't do it. And I think that's maybe why that answer is, or that this sidestep is important to me because I like to teach art to kids. Um, I like to pass on what I know about puppetry. And a lot of people say, well, I can't draw a stick, man. I can't draw a straight line as if I don't have the gift. And for me, I'm like, if you can draw your name, if you can write, you you have the skills to be able to put together some kind of picture, to make a picture, to make art. And it just takes skill. Now, that being said, a more complete answer would be, you know, I think God does give gifts, right? And, and even though everybody has the ability to make some art, in my opinion, there are people to whom God has given gifts where when they hone that skill, they will be able to perform at a higher level than maybe some others. It's just like basketball. Everybody can shoot a ball through a hoop, but not everybody's going to make the NBA. Some people just have those gifts they've been given. And as they hone those skills, they get, they reach a higher level, but, but everybody can enjoy it. So um, when I, so that, that soapbox aside, uh, (laughs) when I first started building, I would just follow the patterns. And what I learned was puppets are built out of foam they're built out of fleece, not felt, because fleece has a stretch to it. Felt has no stretch at all. And so I started just following the patterns as closely as I could. And I would try to give personality to the character through features like um, their eyes, the type of nose, and the clothing that you put on. 
but all the shapes were pretty generic round they were kind of more sock shaped like kermit or you know their head was oblong and and so i kind of had to go with what was given now the process is much different now i start with a an idea of a character so now i'd start with you know i want a mad scientist and and i'll start sketching ideas of what of what a mad scientist might look like so i'll generally ask is he young or old what are some characteristics that i want to be obvious like what's his personality i try to come up with a drawing that matches that and i think with puppets that's that's important because when you look at a puppet they don't have face muscles right they can't they can't articulate in the face like human beings can so when you look at them it's got to be clear from first sight what they're all about um, because even, you know, they're basically a, what do you want to call it? A stereotype. They're like one main personality. Like for example, Frank Oz would always say about Miss Piggy, think of Miss Piggy as a female truck driver, you know, uh, um, <laughs> or a beauty contest truck driver. Like that's, that's her. And, you know, Fozzie Bear, he's the horrible comedian. Um, you don't look for Fozzie to be anything other than the shtick guy. Gonzo's just wild and crazy. You don't look for him to be subtle and deep. Um, probably the most complex character is Kermit. Um, but that came out more in the performance than in his body. But but for me, when I'm designing a character, um, I start with those questions of, is he young, old? What's his personality? What do I want to be obvious about him? And then I start sketching. And then from the sketch, I take that sketch and I have a piece of foam and I start carving the foam head at a very small scale. So I usually work with two inches by two inches and I carve the shape of the head and then from that, I come up with a flat pattern. So once I carve the foam head, I peel it into pieces like you peel an apple, like the skin off an apple. And then I lay it down flat. And then I trace around it. And I blow up those pieces on a copy machine, um, about 200%. And then I flat pattern it. And I cut out more foam pieces and then glue those foam pieces together so that when I'm done with that, I have a 3D sculpture of my sketch. Now, once I have that 3D sculpture made, I then drape it. And maybe I'll, before I talk about draping, I'll pause there for a second, because you're probably wondering, how do I get the foam pieces to stick together? Um, <laughs> so I use glue for that. And it's not like Elmer's glue. I use contact cement. There's a couple different types of uh, contact cement. I use uh, Weldwood, um, DAP, DAP Weldwood. And that's only because it's available at Walmart and other places. Um, probably the industry standard is what they call barge cement. B-A-R-G-E, barge. And uh, you can get that off Amazon and other places, but it's uh, all these things are pretty toxic. Uh, so if you're going to use them, good <laughs> ventilation. I don't want to admit to how many times I've had headaches coming out of a room having used that stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> I use contact cement to hold the foam all together. And then once the foam sculpture is complete, I drape it with fabric. Um, usually I use T-shirts that have been cut up, and I drape them over the, the, the shape. And then I start putting pins in it, finding out where the darts are going to go, how to make this straight piece of fabric fit, fit this curved piece of foam. And then once I complete that, I cut the T-shirt apart. And again, I repeat the process where I lay that down and I trace around it. And now I've made a flat pattern for the skin of the puppet. And then I usually cut that out of fleece. You know, if you go to Joanne Fabrics, you can find all kinds of fleeces. If you're using fleece at maybe the commercial level or the Joanne fabric level, you would go with polar fleece, um, something that has nap on one side and kind of flat on the back. The industry standard for 
fleece for puppets is called Antron fleece. I know it's available at a place called GA Stage out of Georgia or a place called Puppet Pelts online. But but the the Antron fleece that used to exist for Henson's puppets doesn't really exist anymore. That they, they the mill stopped making it, the recipe was gone. So now I know like Puppet Pelts is trying to come up with a good replacement. GA Stage has a suitable replacement. But the original stuff like Kermit and those guys were made out of, that's that's long since since gone. Yeah. So so finding a skin that you're going to use, it, it's really, there's no right way to do it. You just find what's going to look good on camera. And, and the reason why people have used fleece is because when you stitch it, you can hide the seams because of the nap on top of it. So it's got like a quarter inch nap. So if you pick the seam, you can't see the seam. So a lot of my puppets will have a seam right down in the middle of the face, but because <laughs> there's nap, I pick it out. And you can't, you can't tell that. So it does, they don't have a huge line in their head. So once I drape it, then the skin is complete. And then I do a lot of designing in CAD for eyes and noses or teeth or some whatever's going to go on the outside of the body. I'll usually 3D design and then print those and then paint them up and attach them to the puppet. And that's usually where it ends for me. So I can, I mean, we can, we can talk about all kinds of things like how do you, you know, make the hands posable or how do you put the stick in the hands or how do you make the, the mouth plate? All those things, those could be episodes in themselves, but uh, <laughs> yeah, th- that all goes into it. As much as you talk about each of your characters that you build having a personality and, yeah. you know, their specific traits <clears throat> as you're building for clients, how yeah. in depth do they need to get in order for you to have a build that you believe will be fulfilling their need? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. In fact, I kind of was trying to get some of my thoughts together before we got together on the podcast. And uh, when you would ask the question, what, what's my building process like? There is a distinction between building for myself and building for clients. Um, those initial steps, they are all on the client as far as what they want. It's their vision, right? So I, I really would like to be cooperative in my puppet building for clients. So I don't want to push my ideas. It's their puppet. It's their vision, their dream. I want to make the the puppet that will help them be able to tell the stories they have inside them. So I want to make their creation work for them. But now if there are things that just aren't going to work, I will certainly let them know, hey, in my experience, it'd be better this way. But in the end, it's their puppet. Now, that being said, when, when a client comes to me, they generally come with an idea. Like, I want to make a um, a dragon. Can you make a dragon puppet? Well, sure, I can do that. But what's your dragon going to be used for? You know, what what do you need him for? What does he need to do? What is your dragon's personality? And if they start to get too complex, like, well, he's really shy, but, you know, he's also brave, but he's also kind-hearted. I go, oh, okay, we're getting too much here. And, again, that's just where my experience says, hey, if you try to make all that in one character, he's going to be really confusing for the audience. And it's going to be hard to give him a specific look. Then it's just going to be a generic dragon. But if you tell me he's he's a shy dragon or a bashful dragon, okay, now there are things I can do in designing this character that will make him look shy. And he, he'll just play to that character. So So I'll help clients along that line. Sometimes clients come with it. When I built the character for uh, the lady in India, she already said, I, I, wanna, I want a kid that's kind of nerdy, but kind of sweet. Um, so like alfalfa or, you know, kind of she had some, she even had some pictures for me. So I had a good start with her. 
But once we kind of narrow down what the character will be, then the next step is coming up with a sketch. And we come up with a sketch, and I there's a lot of back and forth. What do you like? What do you not like? When I did the turtle head design for David Manley, I think I must have sent him three or four emails where I had just sheets full of sketches of turtle heads. We could go this option, that option. And it wasn't until the last one that we finally came down on it. It was, it was just kind of a last dish effort of, hey, what about this? And that was it. You know, so there's a lot of back and forth. So when I build for clients, it's cooperative and I'll help them to the, to the degree that I need to so that they get the puppet that they're looking for. Um, same thing with the, the alien I built. Not even um, design, even budget, I think, is something I also work with people on. So, for example, with the uh, alien that I built for the film, we, we started talking about what would it cost, right? And his budget did not allow me to make it the way he wanted it. I just couldn't get it done for that price. So I uh, kind of scoured the internet and I found a Halloween decoration. And I said, <laughs> you know what? I think, I think I can puppetize this. I think I can use this and give you exactly what you need. And I can do it within budget. And so I, I think he really appreciated that, that I was able to try to make his dream happen on the budget that he had. So it worked out. It looked great. Um, it made enough adjustments to it that it could do everything he wanted. So yeah, when it comes to building for clients, I, I they, they come with those initial ideas and then I work with them. You've mentioned that in recent years, you've primarily been just building and not doing as much performing. Yeah. Is that just kind of the nature of, of where you're at in life that you just happen to be doing more building or is that, do you prefer building to performing? I think right now I prefer building to performing. I think, how did I get there? I think it was just the natural process of life. Like um, I, I left, I left faith in Sussex. I came to Watertown and I served at Trinity here for almost seven years. And early on, I tried to start something like kids Bible adventures and as a vehicle to be able to keep that part of my ministry going, it just didn't work out. It just yeah. didn't work out. So, so, okay. So that's God just moving me in a different direction. Right. And so I just started building because it's just what creative people do. I had no projects. I just kept tinkering. And I think also I kept fostering friendships with Pasha and another builder named Pam groom that I work with. So I kept fostering those relationships. And, and so it kind of kept me in that creative process of building puppets and, you know, for each other. I like performing when it's improv. So part of the training that we did down in Denton, Denton at the uh, workshop was improv training. We worked the first year. We worked a lot on manipulation and being in a scene and lip sync, um, making it look like the puppets talking. But the next year, we did a lot of scene work and a lot of improv games, and and I enjoyed that because it's spontaneous, it's fun, and and if you have a good partner. It's just really fun to keep a scene going. And, you know, if you guys know anything about improv, one of the first rules is yes and. So whenever you throw an idea out there, it gets accepted, and then you just run with it. And, and that's where the comedy comes from. It is a, you don't even have to be funny. You don't have to always work for the punchline. Just keep the scene moving. And, and I really enjoyed that. But I don't have that for, forum right now to perform in. Sure. And, and so it's been just more building. And, and again, I, I would do videos, but I just haven't – I don't have a – a vehicle to do that right now. Sure. So yeah, so kind of building by default. Um, do I prefer one of the other over the other? I would have to say I probably prefer building. Sure. If we have any 
listeners, whether they be young or a bit older, who are looking to like just kind of get started in puppetry? You've already given a lot of good tips as far as like materials to use and things like that. But yeah. is there like where where would you say is a good starting point? Is it buying a pattern? Is there a book? Is there a, a video? Where would yeah. you say? Yeah, I'd say um, Project Puppet, projectpuppet.com. Pasha has such a professional approach to making puppetry. And these patterns that he sells and the materials that he sells, he has curated over just a decade of doing this for professional clients. Now, there is a cost to it, but you get what you pay for. Now, I say that because I think if anybody goes online, they will find other people on YouTube that will say, hey, here's how you build a puppet. And they'll get like a five-minute video that walks them through it. Well, it doesn't explain why you do things the way you do. It doesn't really give you the in-between steps. So you you can get some basic idea of how to go about building a puppet free online from YouTube. But I would say purchase the patterns from, from Project Puppet. He even gives you materials lists and, and just start working from there. Also, knowing Pasha well enough, he's the kind of guy that if you send an email to him, hey, I'm brand new, I need some help on this, he will respond as soon as he can and give you give you help. His, his website also has some um, FAQs on it so that you can get up to speed. I know, I know he's got videos he's going to come out with in the future, but uh, much like me, he is, he is not really a fan of social media. And so the video thing will take some uh, effort for him, but I know in the future that's on his plan to, to come out with some tutorials specifically for the patterns that he sells. Cool. Yeah. So you, you guys had asked a question that we didn't get to, but you had said something like, you know, when most people think of puppets, they think of Miss Piggy, you know, the, the Muppets. They think of maybe um, uh, the Sound of Music with the marionettes. And is there a particular one that I gravitate towards? And, and I guess as I, I think that's a great question. That's why I want to come back to it. And I think you guys are being very charitable in most people's opinions of puppets when they think of puppets at first. Because most people I talk to think of this guy with a sock strapped to his hand talking in a really high voice that makes everybody uncomfortable right that's just kind of the odd odd art form and that does exist that's why i know why people have those opinions but for me if people think of the muppets i'm i'm happy about that because that's what that's not necessarily what most people think of when you mention hey i'm i'm into puppetry but for me um the style of puppetry i do is muppet style or they call it hand rod puppets because you put a hand in to move the mouth and you use rods to move the the hands. So that's the style that I primarily work in. However, I have dabbled in marionette. Like I said, that that large alien was a marionette. And I think that's one thing that's changed for me as I've gotten primarily into building. I really have a pre- appreciation for all the different forms of puppetry. Like I, I um, especially with 3D um, design now, I really want to design and print marionette. I haven't done it yet. But that's that's also on the creative list of things to do. Also, on my on my shelf, I have about three or four books on stop motion puppetry. I want to try designing a stop motion puppet, and that that just kind of came out of watching um, the the um, oh, what's the company's name? Leica Leica Films. And so when I watch the Leica films, I, I like the art form that they have. And then you watch behind the scenes, and you see these wonderful puppet creations that are like one two feet tall. And they move them like little dolls and take pictures of them. I just think that is just fascinating. So I would, I would like to make something like that in the future as well. Um, but again, all these things in good time. Of course. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, you've 
giving us so many great insights and everything. I, I guess for just as a final send off for our listeners, is there if if they are looking to get into puppetry or dabble or or are just curious about it, what would your your kind of pitch be like? What what is it about puppetry that you keep coming back to and you think uh, other people would be drawn in by as well? Yeah. So I think everybody's got a story to tell. And I think puppetry is just a fun way to tell the stories that are in you. And so if you've got a story to tell and you want to have fun doing it, I think puppetry is a great way to go about doing that. Sweet. I can tell you as someone who didn't have much interest in puppetry before this conversation, I suddenly <laughs> have a lot more interest. Like you, you make it very intriguing. And I'm just like, man, what if, what if I just learned how to build puppets? That seems super cool. It, it is a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're able to be inspired by my rambling here. There's, you know, it's just, and I'm sure your other guests have said this too. There's just, I've been doing it so long. There's so much to talk about that. I just, I, don't, I hope I did. Uh, I did it justice. I, I'm not sure. Definitely. What, one thing guys, you can, you can see some of my work. I have a website called puppetboom.com, And so some of my work is out there. Well, again, thank you. So much for taking the time today. Um, we really appreciate it. And looking forward to hopefully meeting you sometime in the near future, maybe at a Hearts and Hands workshop or something like that. That um, would be fantastic. But- Gentlemen, thank you for the opportunity and have a great day. You too. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have people you want to hear from, uh, questions you want answers to, or you, like Dustin, are eager for a chance to talk about your art because maybe you don't get a chance to talk to very many people about it, we would love to talk to you about it. Please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can find us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. We'd also like to give a huge shout out to all our patrons on patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. Uh, this show would not be possible to keep running without you. So thank you very much for those of you who have chosen to support us in that way. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>